Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I am your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Uh, Please keep sharing the podcast. Now's the time to do it. Football season is upon us. I was just thinking the other day we go from, you know, three weeks ago, no football. Two weeks ago, no football. One week ago, one game. This week, 10 games. Next week, 14 games played. Is it really 14? It's like it exponentially grows. Oh, Lord. Yeah. So that's a, but that's a good thing to look forward to, right? It is, absolutely. In fact, another thing to look forward to is the tailgate. Yes. Eyes on big tailgate yes. at the Skyuma lot. Nice, nice product drop or, Out, or uh, event drop there. Yeah, outside the Huntington Bank Stadium. Do we have an approximate setup time? Like, yeah, thinking- let's. We're to aim for four o'clock okay. p.m. Hopefully a little bit earlier, but I think we can very realistically look at four o'clock p.m. That will be set up there in the Skyuma lot. Um, yeah, just come the, the sign. We'll put the sign back out on Twitter again. If you didn't see it last week for when we had it at the Illinois Nebraska game, uh, I think we're going to have a decent amount of people that are going to stop by the tailgate, and we're looking forward to seeing all of you. I hope so. Everyone's welcome. Come sample some Amador whiskey. And when they see you, they will see a little less forehead than what you had about three or four days ago. Yeah. It has it has peeled off I'm, after yeah. absorbing most of that champagne sun on, on Sunday or Saturday afternoon. It is miraculous how it peels off, and then it's just like, oh, you never had a tan. <laughs> it's just gone. I mean, it's gone. It's kind of a weird thing, yeah. isn't it? the uh, epidermis, right? That's Although the, the thing is, 90% of my face is still tan. <laughs> yeah, so, so it, doesn't it overall look, looks good. If you put a hat on, nobody would know any difference. Yeah, but right now, it's not a good look. <laughs> You're getting by. Speaking of a good, not such a good look, another, another segue there. How did ESPN let this Bishop Sycamore, quote-unquote, high school thing happen? The, the only thing I like about the story is that it makes ESPN look like crap. I mean, every couple months... It seems like ESPN just reaches deeper and finds <laughs> another level of futility on how that network is run and and you know like how could you not have looked a little bit into these teams? I mean they must be running real lean on personnel if you don't even call or you don't even google the school or you maybe have people in position like Maybe the amount of people that you have working for you is similar than you did about a year or so ago, but you've canned so many of the good experienced people yeah, to it. to make way for you know less expensive inexperienced people that these inexperienced people make inexperienced uh, mistakes, and this is one of them. And you'd think that they're you know and this probably is kind of goes to your point. I'd never heard of that school. Usually the teams playing on ESPN, I'm like, yeah, I, it's a team down in Texas. That's right. a Florida team. That's a California team. But I've never heard of Bishop Sycamore. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't it cue somebody like someone that knows something about high school football? And I think but there's huh. they're supposed to be based out of Ohio, right? Ohio. There yeah. isn't two or three or or. 25 people inside ESPN that have Ohio ties and goes. I've I've never heard of this school before. Like, well, like like for instance, it's not like I follow Ohio high school football closely, but if I heard Ohio high school Bishop Sycamore is going to play IMG, I'd say Bishop Sycamore. Never heard of them. 
Really? Insane. Like, because, you know, St. Ed's, St. X, all those big schools. Sure, I've, I've heard of all of them. Yeah, I don't know. Mass Salon, you name it. Any, but, uh, yeah, and then, and so I don't know what's more hilarious that they just played a game on, I believe it was Friday or, or something. I mean, they played a game three days before that. <laughs> okay. Um, so then they played another one, and then the fact that, I think the average age of the people on the team are like 19 or 20 years old. And you heard, I, I, and I haven't dug deep into it, but I heard stories of like players talking about that they had to sleep on the floor and there was no food. And it's insane. It's, it's bizarre. I but, just hope ESPN, I don't know. I hope that this story continues simply because I want ESPN to just get dragged more and more. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, you know, it's a sad reminder. There's a lot of, garbage people in the world and i think a lot of them are uh located in bristol connecticut is that where they're still well, in bristol uh, <laughs> bristol yeah i think so that so. wasn't referring to espn oh. people but yeah the no, general i'm, I'm referring process. to this psychopath that did this the the quote-unquote coach yeah so bad a horrible person that's a horrible human being for sure but then so. also the these kids know that they're not it's not a real thing no what are they doing that i saw like the roster handout that they gave espn it was just names kind of loosely grouped together by their position group. No numbers with them. Like, I don't even know how these ESPN announcers. And then you could kind of tell the ESPN announcer. I did not watch the game, but I've seen enough clips, you know, played on Twitter. I think the ESPN color guy calling the game, he had started to figure out as the game went on, like something is is off here. And then they started commenting because there was no way they could run away from it at that point. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, I know this much. All of these teams that I see on these sheets in front of me, I believe we actually know who these teams are. So that's good news, right? Yeah. Okay. You want to... Do we got any housekeeping items? Or? No, let's get right in the game. We had a couple uh, We had a couple uh, Wisconsin running backs, uh, one that got booted from the team and one that's suspended, but a quick little uh, dive with our guy, Super Crawl, our Wisconsin insider. Very well, those running backs could have been seven and eight on the depth chart, so I don't think it's okay. going to make any big difference uh, uh, for this upcoming year. But anyways, uh, so before we get into the game, we're going to do our little read-through here. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey, Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes it in California wine barrels. This double-barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfectly sipped neat or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. And to continue that on one more time, we're going to do a lot of different picks here. You know, we're always going to pick against the spread over under. For one of our picks, for Big Kurt and I, it doesn't obviously have to be the same one. We're going to do a Amador double barrel lock of the week. So look out for that when we start getting into the games here. All I right. love it. The double barrel lock. Double barrel. It's yeah. perfect, isn't it? The lock and load. The lock and load. All right. So this is officially week one of the Big Ten season and all of college football. We have got 10 games total being played. First up on Thursday, September 2nd, we have got two games being played. This one kind of snuck in under the radar, I feel like, a little bit. The Temple Owls. Traveling into Piscataway to take on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. This is a 5.30 p.m. game on Big Ten Network. 
Rutgers is favored by 14 and a half over under 51.5. So Vegas is saying something along the lines of 31 to 17 Rutgers. Looks like it's going to be pushing 80 and sunny in Piscataway. Uh, so the first thing I would say, so the Owls, uh, they're out of the AAC. You know, when you see a 14 and a half point line, uh, why is that? Well, they're picked dead last in the AAC in their division, most publications. And then their quarterback that uh, played a lot of games last year, well, that was Anthony Russo. He's on Michigan State's roster now. They've got like eight or nine starters returning, depending on the publication. So long story short, the Owls aren't expected to be one of the stronger teams, even against group of five teams. I didn't see him dead last. Well, in their division, typically speaking, they're either going to be last or second to last. Really? Okay. Yeah. I didn't see them down that. Now, of course, the uncertainty at quarterback, but they have two guys that played last year. They actually have a, a solid trio of running backs. They've got a transfer from Florida. Actually, an Illinois transfer, Rayvon Bonnard. You guys might remember that guy from a couple of years back. And I, I looked into their D a little bit. There's a little more that returns than what appears. It doesn't look like they have a lot of starters returning, but there was a lot of weirdness last year with COVID and some other stuff. So they get some guys back with some experience. I think they're a little bit better okay. maybe than people are giving them credit for. Okay, that's so fair. I think it's going to be a little spicier than than people expect. Big Kurt doing a little deeper dive into the owls than, uh, than, than I did here. But um, let me say this. I still believe, though, we've got the momentum obviously going with the uh, Rucker Scarlet Knights. Shiano has got him going. I, I saw just recently that this is a sellout. This game is a sellout. So excellent. I don't know in the last time Rutgers has sold out their home opener like this, but that's got to get the juices flowing a little bit for the home team, right? That's great. I love it. Dude, it's fantastic. And by the way, one of the weaknesses of the, the Scarlet Knights is their offensive line. Right. Shiano was praising them this week. I don't know if you saw that. Yep. I'm, I, I don't I know. know how much I want to put into that, but they've got a ton back on offense. I actually got a pretty good amount back on defense, too. But the, the defensive line is probably a weakness, too, of, of the, if you go three levels. So I'm wondering, with what I said about uh, Temple, they might be able to move the ball a little bit on the ground. I, 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 one of the b- bullet points I have right here is, okay, well, two bullet points kind of go hand in hand. By the middle of the third quarter... I, if I'm a Rutgers fan, I just want there to be no doubt who the better team is out of those two, right? Yeah, like, sure. Like, and and I just want to pause for a second there. We can realistically expect Rutgers to just kind of outclass Temple to a certain degree. I mean, they I'm sh- not saying I'm not saying it's a foregone conclusion. I'm saying if it's the middle of the third quarter and Rutgers is definitely the better team, will that surprise you at all? No, that wouldn't surprise me. But I. I I guess what I'm what I'm getting at. Okay, so a little bit weak at quarterback, of course, right? We still know that about Rutgers. I just think this is going to be a little closer than people think. Okay, interesting. This is not my double barrel. No. Okay. I would um, love to see the Knights just blow them out. I just think Temple's going to keep it a little closer. I'm going Rutgers for the win, but 31 to 24, so Temple for the cover, and that's an over. Okay. Um, I. I think I'm a little bit higher on Rutgers, uh, and I think I know I'm a little bit higher on Noah Vedral. Um, Keep in mind, it's a regional matchup. It is a regional matchup. Um, any more of a reason, even more of a reason for Rutgers and Shiano to prepare a little bit harder last week or two to, to get the season off to a good start. Um, 
Remember when this is Rucker's chance to really get some numbers on the board. Remember Matthew McConaughey's uh, uh, character in Wolf of Wall Street? You got to pump them numbers up, you know? Yep. This is your chance, Rutgers, to sure. try to do that. Get off to a good start. I think they will. I've just got a lot of faith right now in Rutgers. So I've got him winning 34-17. to 17. So that's a slight Rutgers cover, not by a lot, not something that I would necessarily touch. And that's just under at 51 also wouldn't touch that seeing as the under over is 51.5. All right, next up, the a little bit later game right here in Minnesota. Minneapolis, to be specific, number four, Ohio State. Coming into Dinky Town to take on the Minnesota Golden Gophers, 7 o'clock p.m. on Fox. You know it's a big game when it's Fox. This line's kind of gone around and around, but right now we'll say the Buckeyes by 14 over under a robust 65. So Vegas is saying somewhere around like 40 to 24. That doesn't work out perfectly, but something like that. 93% of the money is on the Buckeyes. Partly rainy, partly cloudy tomorrow. 75 degrees, definitely going to be warm. Us local people are kind of hoping the rain is more in the morning and afternoon clears so, off by later later on the day. Last I looked at it, it looked like it's cleared up. It looked like no rain. Like I said, it's all over the board. It's a, I mean, it's a forecast that's forty-eight hours out. Who the heck knows? But all right, yeah, man, that's which... a good point. But so, did you say ninety-three percent of the money is so on I, the Buckeyes? Like, you know, yeah. I have to be honest. I'm going off of scores and odds when they click on the details, and that's where it was at a day ago when I put my sheet together. But it's okay. a high percentage on Ohio State. I'll say that much. I don't feel nearly as good about my okay. pick then. Okay. So here's besides the intoxicating effect of the Amador whiskey, the thing I'm looking most forward <laughs> to in this game is watching a great offensive line play another great offensive line. Yeah. But obviously Ohio State is great physically everywhere. Of course, the new quarterback could see some mistakes, but then I think, well, he's got so much around him. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to bail him out. Right. Right? So, I don't, I don't know. So, for I guess, me, what do you for, expect from Stroud? Okay, well, here's what's here's what's interesting to see, okay? What I'm going to look at, first time Minnesota's got the ball. Uh, mm-hmm. I know Moe's going to get the ball. You sure. know Moe's going to get the yep. ball. Ryan Day knows Moe's going to get the ball. Do you take a shot? If you can get those linebackers, those those young and eager linebackers sucking up right to begin with, do you try to hit one right over top and get the game going with a big play right from the get-go? Okay, not a bad idea, but then that brings me to the health of Chris Altman Bell. I forgot to look that up. Have you heard anything? I don't think... So first of all, PGA is extremely tight-lipped with his injury port. So the deeper you look into it, you know, the, the more, less you know. Yeah, okay. so I don't even think it's worth it. My well, gut my gut feeling tells me it was an ankle, and he hasn't practiced much since that scrimmage, yeah. but he's going to go in the game. I mean, it's a good strategy, but I just don't know that you can do that right now with the wide receivers. You saw him in person, too. They need the reps, you're saying. Yeah. But um, th- once the game well, settles in, what I want to take a look at is – can Mike Sanford Jr. start to influence those young linebackers with motion, you know, moving moving people around, getting Mo coming back when Mo was hitting the big plays, that's what they were good at last year. So if there is a, a chance, I mean obviously there's a chance, but if there's a a better chance than what maybe the odds makers think for Minnesota to win this game, I don't think there's any question that it's going to have to come with a very very strong running attack versus a Middle 
to definitely back seven of the defense that has got a lot of question marks. I mean, that's what you sure. expect to see. Yeah, but you, you got to expect they'll, they'll bounce back a little bit. I expect that Ohio State will bounce back a little bit. I'm just, I don't, I'm as high on the wide receiver group for the Minnesota Gophers as I was no, a couple I'm not weeks either. ago. I'm not either. So I, yeah, I think they may, might be able to stack the box. So I, okay, I talked myself back into the, the original pick that I had. Okay. I think the Gophers hang for a little bit, but I think Ohio State runs away in the end. Ohio State 38 to 21, that's good for a cover and an under. Okay. Um, yeah, with Ohio State, first time seeing CJ Stroud, totally get why that is something that makes people nervous about how Ohio State's going to look. But I just have this faith in Ryan Day as a play caller. I have faith in what he's done with even young quarterbacks in the past, how good he's he's made them look. And then it's just the, you know, I hate to use a trope, but it, it is. It's the overall talent thing. Like, he's surrounded by so much of it. Like I And then I expect Minnesota's defense to look better. I, yes, do. I do not expect sure. them to just get steamrolled but but here, this is an amazing offensive well, so line. that's the thing so i expect them to look better too but will it look better this week correct so minnesota could wind up having a much much improved defense compared to last year but you might not know it looking at this game yeah. so i don't think it's going to be something where ohio state outclass them but i think it'll just be a situation where a a score at the end and then another score at the end is going to make the final score look a little bit worse than it is because I don't think Ryan Day is above putting extra points no, on the board if he needs to. That is something that gives me a little bit of confidence in this pick. I've got Ohio State 44, Minnesota 20. So that is an under 64 by one point. But I feel pretty confident about the Buckeyes coming in and covering. All right. All right. We've got one game on Friday, September 3rd. Michigan State coming into uh, Illinois to play the Northwestern Wildcats. This is an 8 o'clock p.m. game on ESPN. Line Cats by three over under 45. So basically Vegas is saying 24 to 21 Northwestern, which is, you know, kind of a Northwestern score. Uh, 80% of the money is on Sparty. Uh, so what kind of weather we got here, kind of what it is all around the country, kind of pushing 80, partly cloudy. What do you, what's your first couple thoughts here? So this one's in Illinois, you said. Correct. Where in Illinois? I believe it's in Evanston, Illinois. Oh, okay. Not Chicago. Not Chicago. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. Okay. For the cast, I love the Friday night game. Yes. I wish they would do one every week. Correct. So that I could just watch that game and only that game and focus on that game. Yes. So I get for the purists, they hate the Friday night game. But for me, doing the cast, this Fantastic. Is, is gold. Jared. It's awesome. Gold. It's awesome zoning in on a Big Ten game when your team's not involved because then it's you know, it's just entertainment, stress free entertainment. Right. That's that's what we get on Friday night. So as far as Michigan State, we still don't know who the quarterback is. Mel Tucker said, quote unquote, we have our guy. Uh, but we don't know who that guy is. So that's yep. something to look forward to right when Michigan State comes out. Will it be the incumbent or will it be the Anthony Russo who we already mentioned on the podcast? Right. So you don't know what Russo looks like in a new system around new players, but I just think it's got to be Peyton Thorne. Um, and then, this is the most unknown roster in the Big Ten. I've made that pretty clear. Yeah. One matchup I'm really looking forward to watching is – 
the Michigan State wide receivers versus the Northwestern defensive D-backs. backs. That's strength on strength right there. Absolutely. Yeah. That's going to be fun alone. Yeah. And then for me, like for Michigan State, I, they have got to set a tone up front. Um, I, I think they have the chance to have a better offensive line than what a lot of people think. This would be an amazing start to the season if the offensive line looks good in the rushing attack, okay, I think it could be a very much a committee that they're going to have at running back. But whether it's a bell cow, whether it's two or three guys, I don't care. If they can run the ball to start out with, I think that would be something that would be huge for Michigan State for the rest of the year. Sure, but I'm just, I don't know how easy that's going to be to do, even with the turnover in the roster. So I mentioned the the Sparty, Spartans being the most unknown roster this is the least experienced roster in the big 10 as far as production and it's the least experienced in the country i believe same with the yeah so so that gets me to northwestern do we think northwestern's defense is going to be quote-unquote good of of course i think they're going to be good but am i unreasonable to think that there might be especially with a new defensive coordinator too, new faces new defensive coordinator maybe a hiccup here and there, where one of those talented Spartan wide receivers gets behind the coverage or sure. finds a gap because sure. it's just not that cohesive. I, that to me is something to look forward to as the game goes on. Yeah, and then you got the Hunter Johnson thing at quarterback, which is just look. We we talked about this offline. The Rutgers quarterback play and Hunter Johnson is those two are the worst quarterback pass catcher playmakers you mean or which is the worst quarterback play we've seen right for, since we started the cast oh Hunter Johnson okay. right. wouldn't don't you agree absolutely yes. okay so that's why I find it impossible to pick the Wildcats here so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go with the Northwestern Wildcats winning the game okay 22 to 16 and getting the cover but that's an under because that's what happens in Northwestern games even when it's 45 they still go under. Absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, being able to just focus in on Hunter Johnson, I mean, all eyes in Big Ten country will be on him just to see what he looks like. And then the playmakers, too, once he gets the ball into their hands, who's the one that's going to step forward? Remember, they, they lost their running back, too. I mean, where is the offense going to come from? We'll start to get that figured out. I picked Michigan State in the preseason. I'm going to stick with it. I mean, there was obviously nothing that, that popped up in the last couple of weeks that would change my mind. So I've got Michigan State 20, Northwestern 17. So at 37, that's a full eight points under the total. You know, I'm putting, to me, it's a little bit with not so much Michigan State's defense because we'll figure out who the playmakers are. The style of play that we think that they can play against a Northwestern offense that's going to find its way. And then a Northwestern defense that'll be good, but a couple busts here and there, but not enough to get over that 45. One more thing about Hunter Johnson, though. He's got two more years under his belt since he absolutely. Arrived. So he's going to look better. He has to look better. Listen, if you win the starting job at a Division One football program, you're doing something right. Okay, yes. like so, like he's figured. And again, I think we said this on a previous podcast. Tip of the hat to him for not transferring or leaving or quitting or bawling about it. He stayed in Evanston. He worked. We'll see what we'll see what happens with him. Well, that's kind of player that pat fitzgerald gets into his program absolutely doesn't bitch and whine and moan and leave correct dig in like a wood tick and can't get rid of him i think he will be at least serviceable yeah well i I expect him to be serviceable i just don't know about you know elite all right that gets us to saturday september 4th we have got seven games on the docket good luck 
keeping up with all of them. Here's one that might get delegated a little bit further down in the mix. Uh, the Western Michigan Broncos at the Michigan Wolverines. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game central time on ESPN. Line is Wolverines by 17 over under a super robust 68. So Vegas is saying something along the lines of 42 to 24 uh, Wolverines. 85% of the money is on Michigan. Another warm, dry day in Ann Arbor. Tim Lester, head coach of the Western Michigan Broncos from Wheaton Warrenville High School in Wheaton, Illinois, western suburbs. Western Michigan returns a lot on both sides of the ball. A lot. lot. Tons. Like, like, you, I think could, they you could make an argument to say they, they return 22 starters. Right. If, and you, it, look at, if you look at you certain publications. That's yeah. a good point. And their quarterback, Caleb Ellaby. Woo, yeah. Man, he had a year last year. Yeah. I know that name because Illinois recruited him. They kind of backed off at the end, okay. but maybe they shouldn't have because he looked great last year. And, and dude, he looks good both with his arm and his legs. And his touchdown-interception ratio, I don't have it off the top of my head, but I think it was like 18 I think it was to 2. 18 to 2. That's yeah. what I read as well. It's insane. They also have a pair and a spare running back. Yeah. Now, the defense was poor, but again, all those guys come back, so I ex- expect improvement. I, I think this is a pretty spicy Broncos team. Yeah, no, it's definitely a spicy Broncos team. It's spicy on the other side of the ball, or it has a chance to be spicy on the other side of the ball. But last year, it was it was all gas and no breaks, meaning yep. all offense and no defense. So that's what you get. I mean, that is what is playing into the 68 points for the overrunner. Yeah. Like, to me, they have to be basing that more off of Western Michigan than Michigan because I don't know how you could have any confidence – setting a line that high with a Michigan team that's got so many question marks. Okay. Is that fair? But the, Okay, but then for me, this is strength versus strength, weakness versus weakness in these two teams because I expect the Wolverines to have a good defense. They're okay. not going to have a bad defense, right? So the, I would expect them to slow down the Broncos. Okay, I'm on. I am on the same page with you with that general breakdown. What was interesting to me is talking to our insider, Jordan, he seemed to have more confidence with the offense for Michigan than the defense. Who am I to, to uh, uh, argue with Jordan? He obviously yeah, knows the team more get than it. me, but I don't know. Like Jordan, I don't mean to disagree with you, but I feel like maybe that's diving into the details a little bit so, too much. Like I am just breaking this down as, I saw McNamara last year. He was fine. He was a pretty good quarterback. He could be better this year. Okay. Like it was a weird year for everybody last year, including Cade McNamara. Um, He won the starting role early in the camp. So one would think, you know, the coaching staff and khaki pants has got, but uh, uh, comfortability with them. But to me, I, I just, I looked at that D line linebackers and secondary of Michigan. I saw one or two guys that were good, that are solid dudes at each level. The, you don't get ta- you don't get recruited to Michigan unless you're talented. These are talented yeah. guys. I don't think they've had a chance to show their talent. Sure. And very much like how um, uh, just this last week or on Saturday, we saw a pretty talented Illinois defense finally get coached yeah. up. Right, um, going from the schemes that they had or didn't have, depending on how you want to say it 
to schemes that they felt comfortable with and couldn't attack. That's what I think we're going to see out of Michigan's defense. I, I right. think Michigan's defense is just going to look a lot better starting this week. And like Illinois, I could see them maybe not looking great initially, but then improving throughout the game. Now I respect Jordan's opinion, but I guess probably for me, I'm just looking at historically with Harbaugh, you know, great defense is not as good offense, so I'm kind of expecting the same. Okay. And I just I have a lot of question marks personally, not only quarterback, but then just playmaker positions. Um, also have questions about the coaching musical chairs and the weirdness with the offense having seemingly three coordinators and not really improving that coordinator group at all just by kind of moving one guy up a little bit. Right. So for me, Michigan's going to win this game. It may take a little time for them to wear down the Broncos. I think the Broncos are going to hang in there. Michigan's going to win the game 38-24, to so that's a Western Michigan cover, and I really like the under here. Okay, all right. We are pretty close here, um, or almost dead on. I already talked about the defense. I think Michigan is going to make a point to run the ball this week. I think it's going. I think they want to establish running the ball. I don't think they want to just put this game in uh, uh, Cade McNamara's hands right from the get go that he's going to throw the ball forty times in a game. Like I think they know what they got from Cade McNamara, so let's get the rushing attack going. So I'm with you. I've got Michigan thirty eight. Western Michigan 24, so that's a cover for Western Michigan. And with that under 68, that is the Amador Whiskey Double Barrel Lock of the Week. Right there. All right. All right, next game up, we have got the Fordham Rams from the FCS level coming in to play Lincoln in the sold-out Memorial Stadium to play Nebraska Cornhuskers. This is an 11 o'clock AM game on Big Ten Network line. Eh, we don't really have a line because it's an FCS game. I tried to find one. Possible rain in Lincoln, but it's looking like it's going to be very hot and a hot fan base that wants to see a inspired team come into play. That's pretty much the storyline we got coming into this one, correct? Yeah. To be honest with you, couldn't find a lot about the Fordham Rams. No. I did put some effort into it. All I know is Vince Lombardi no longer plays for the Fordham Rams. But they, he did. They, they, but he did. But they no longer have the seven blocks of granite up front. So for me, this comes down to a couple things for Nebraska. Nebraska's got a one-game advantage over the, the Fordham Rams. Is that fair? So they sh that should be a big advantage. But on the other side of that is their psyche has been knocked down a huge rung, not just rung a couple rungs so i'm wondering what they look like especially out of the gate is it going to be a situation where they just look really flat and everyone's like oh my lord we can't even put away the fordham rams Interesting. or is it going to jack them up they're going to go the other way and just boat race these guys from the start um i, I in all honesty i had not considered the dead nebraska and that's not a direct threat or direct shot at nebraska any team in this situation could just come out and be like, you know, if we roll our hats out there, we're probably going to be up 21 nothing. With that being said, I just that's not what my my sense is. Um, at the very least, you got a lot of seniors on that team that I would think would be pissed. When I looked at the, you know, I've watched I've watched the Illinois Nebraska game like three times now because it's my only Me game well. that I've had a chance to watch. I still have a ton of confidence in that front seven. Fordham is not going to be able to run the ball. In, in fact, I think it's going to be a, a 
a putrid day of football for Fordham trying to move the ball in any capacity. I think Nebraska's defense is going to get to the quarterback early and often, so I just don't see very many points uh, uh, coming out of Fordham. On the offensive side of the ball, they're, the the playmakers that people are, I think are dogging a little too much uh, this week, they're they're going to get unlocked here and look a lot better. So I wonder if all of them will play this week, maybe. What's that? All the playmakers. I. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, Omar Manning did play. Yeah, but I didn't see Xavier Betts on the field. Xavier, once. Xavier Betts and Omar Manning. There was, from best what I can tell, sounds like doghouse right? disciplinary yeah. situations doghouse going stuff. on. So, yeah. um, and and you know, I hadn't heard a ton of Xavier Betts the whole camp. No, so I hadn't either. That's so, still a thing there, yeah. but. <clears throat> one would guess that one of those receivers, I could see Samari Torre having a big day again. Yes. One of those guys is going to get behind the secondary. And then you are going to see some of those Nebraska running backs where when they had to work for yards last week versus Illinois, showed some signs, okay, but in this capacity, when they have much more open lanes to work with, they are going to look a lot speedier and faster than they ever did last week. I just think there's going to be a ton of points. You guess the the score, but I'm going to say something like 52 to 10, something like that. Okay, so I I think, first of all, I think Samari Torre, he's my pick to click in this game for Nebraska. Okay. I'm going to be watching him. I do predict they will come out a little bit flat, but I think, like you said, the senior leadership will light a fire and get them in line, and they will run away with it for a 45 to 17 victory. 45 to 17. That's right, a 45 okay. to 17 victory. What 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 does that mean? I don't know. Okay, I, I felt like there was some significance to that. There may be. Okay, maybe at one point I'll figure out what that is. Okay, it's quite the smile. It's quite the it's move right yeah. along. Okay, all right. Uh, moving in to the afternoon, we've got the West Virginia Mountaineers. I can't remember what show they was. He, was it Bill King? West by God, Virginia. West by God. West yeah. by God, Virginia. Mountaineers coming. Into Maryland to play the Maryland Terrapins. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on ESPN Line. Mountaineers by three. We've got some road favorites here over under a robust 56.5. So Vegas is saying something along the lines of 30 to 27 Mountaineers. A lot of the money is on the opposite side. They want the home team. 90% of the money is on Maryland. Another warm day, pushing 80 degrees, maybe a little bit cloudy. Another regional game here with yes, it is. West Virginia bordering the great state of Maryland. I really like Neil Brown. Great coach. They have a great quarterback coming back in Jared Dagey. Also, running back Letty Brown ran for ten or 1,000 yards Dude, in 10 games last yeah. year. I, it, I wonder how many um, casual college football fans realize what kind of football team West Virginia has become in the last couple years. So, this, this is a Big Ten West team that is playing better and better defense, is running the ball very, very well, and is getting efficient play out of their quarterback. This is, dude, this is a well-coached, solid West Virginia right. team. So it's a mix of Holgi talent and Neil Brown's toughness. And, and again, not traveling far. I, I like what I'm seeing for West Virginia. On the other side of it, Locks has obviously a ton of talent, and he's at all off season to prepare. That's right. He's had all off season to prepare and scheme for this game. So this is a test from me to Locks to see how they look in this game. And I tell you what, um, there's a lot of things that I believe you can dog Locks on, but as far as a play caller, if if they if they come out in the defense that he expects, yeah. 
he will manufacture big plays. I agree. There's no doubt about that. There's been times I've watched him call him plays. I'm like, this is dude, this is not just okay. It's good. Dude, dude knows play design. He and, does. And, and and so there is no doubt in my mind that the better defense on the two teams is West Virginia. The better offense, in all honesty, if I'm looking at it completely across the board, I think it's pretty even because West Virginia runs the ball a lot better than Maryland does. Yeah. Maryland throws the ball a lot better than West Virginia does. So we'll kind of we'll kind of call it a push, but, but the big play, the big plays though that you would think would happen on offense would happen on Maryland. I mean, I totally expect that to okay, happen. Okay, I expect at least a, a nice score from Kim Jarrett. I expect maybe a score from. Jay Sean Jones? Yeah, that's say right. It right. We got to say it right. Jay Sean yep. Jones. Yep. So, yeah, I, expect some big plays out of this offense. I, 100%. Uh, I think this is going to be an overall fun game to watch because it's, it's two boxers with a completely different style. But when it comes down to it, there's going to be adjustments made. Um, a lot of times the passing attack isn't quite as much in sync at the beginning of the year as it is maybe two, three, four games into it. So I think that... That kind of lends itself to West Virginia. So I've got West Virginia 27, Maryland 25. So I've got Maryland covering, West Virginia winning, and I've got I've got 52 points. So that's uh, four and a half points under the total. Okay, so I'm just going to go with the more proven coach. I'm not saying that Locks is going to not coach well this year, but I haven't seen it yet. So I'm going with the more proven coach. I'm going... West Virginia to win the game 34 to 27. So that's a cover by West Virginia. And that is my double barrel lock, lock of, of the week. week. And that's an over. Fantastic. And, hey, since this baby's open, why yeah. don't I just take it? Might, might as well take a little pull <laughs> right from the bottle, just like how the amateur people suggest you do it. All right. Next up, this is one of our big ones on the weekend. The number 17 Indiana Hoosiers coming into Iowa City to take on the 18th-ranked Iowa Hawkeyes. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on Big Ten Network. Line Hawks by three, over-under 46. So Vegas is saying something like a 24-21 to 21 game by Iowa. 85% of the money is on the Hoosiers with a lot of that moving in kind of recently. 80 degrees, maybe a little bit of rain in the morning, maybe a little bit of rain pushing into the afternoon. We don't really know. So you mentioned it. This could have been easily the Big Ten game of the week, but it's not. So we got Michael Penix at 100%. So Big Ten fans, let's enjoy that. While it lasts. Yeah, no kidding. So one thing I'm going to be watching here is the great wide receiver play from the Indiana Hoosiers versus the great defensive back play from the Iowa Hawkeyes. That's going to be another awesome matchup. Yeah, so speaking of Penix, um, I I, I was um, uh, interviewed by a different podcast and um, uh, Facebook Live, and we had talked about you know, what I would expect out of uh, Phil Parker going against Michael Penix, okay? So I want to be clear again on this. Never at any time in Iowa did a defensive coordinator say, okay, we got this guy coming in with a bum knee. We're going to go for it, you know? It's not like that. But if you have got a mobile quarterback, okay, that is known to get out of the pocket and make plays with his legs, it's going to be something a defensive coordinator is going to look at right from the get-go, meaning is the offensive coordinator trying to protect his quarterback a little bit by by not rolling him out, by not putting him in hard's way. If that's the case, then I would think Phil Parker would adjust and 
treat him more like a mobile quarterback and have more blitzes coming from, you know, the inside. I don't know. I just think that's something to look forward, look to right at the beginning. The other thing with Penix too, that I would point out is I don't think Penix is known as a, as the most consistent quarterback in the big 10. He's a big play quarterback. Okay. What has Iowa's defense excelled at for the past two, three, four years not giving up the big plays. I mean, that's a that's kind of a sure. cornerstone of the defense. So like that, that that to me is what's going to play into the game plan here, which is they're going to make Penix consistently get down the field, you know, second and five, third and three, first down, do it over again, move the chains. I, I don't think there's any question in my mind they're going to put the pressure on Penix to see if they can do that. Okay, switching over to the other side, speaking of big plays, IU brought in some pass rushers in the transfer portal. <clears throat> this could be a that's a, an aspect we don't normally see from their defense. As good as it was last year, they they're not typically known for having great pass rushers. So I think that could help out their defense a little bit, especially and, when Iowa has two new offensive tackles, yes. and and it's pretty much come out this week that they're going to have two or three guys that they're going to rotate in at tackle to get more more and more guys reps. So right. that is definitely something to look forward to. Okay, and you know I love drinking that Tommy A. Leo Kool-Aid, yeah, yeah, right? That's yeah. my favorite flavor of Kool-Aid right now is the Leo flavor. Iowa takes time to round into form, but they'll be ready for this game. It's yeah. not going to be one of those early season I guess, Iowa games that, where they look okay. a little bit flat. All right. You know, NIU, I, I know come that's, on. I know that's a – I know that's a they, – they started 0-2 last year. Go, go back – to about 2015. No, okay, Iowa has not started out that slow. I mean, they, they, they always beat. Hold on. They play those like mid-major type G5 teams, and they're like, you're like, eh, maybe Iowa's not that good this year. They they don't blow them out usually. Right. But again, those are the mid-major teams, and then, you know, they go and play Iowa State next. They haven't lost to Iowa okay. State for a long I, I just feel like. The Iowa getting off to a slow start thing has been, it's so played at this point. But um, I'm not saying losing. No, no, no. Okay. Um, another thing, too, when Iowa, when, when uh, Indiana's on defense, their whole thing, right, is they live off of the turnovers, right? So yeah. that's something to look for. And they're aggressive just in general. 100%. And, and uh, that's something that, that Tommy Allen is, is, confident about it. I mean he said in his presser this week like hey we think we we get teams to turn the ball over because we make turnovers a big part of what we do so I I, I that is something to look forward to right there Spencer Petrus uh first time playing in in front of a crowd is this going to be a situation where he gets too excited or is this something where the crowd settles him down but the one thing that when you got all of these questions right from one side of the ball to the other what is the thing that really makes you feel calm, right? If you can run the ball or if you can't run the ball. Sure. Right now, there's no doubt that one team looking at the stats from last year or the last two years has done a better job of running the ball. Yeah. It's been Iowa. What will we see out of Iowa running the ball against this really good defense? And what will we see with Indiana running the ball when they've struggled to do it against any defense? Okay, well... I've been talking about Indiana getting big boy wins, right? Because they want to become a big boy program. I'm sticking with it. I think they're going to get a big boy win here. I think Indiana wins this game 27 to 23. So obviously IU cover. That's also an over. Okay. All right. Interesting. Um, so something that would make me nervous as an Iowa fan, something that does make me nervous because I am an Iowa fan is 
What happens if all of that good defense that we've seen the last five years really has been predicated by a really strong defensive line, okay? What happens if this defensive line this year really isn't as good as it has been, and then suddenly good but not overly athletic linebackers and secondary get exposed a little bit by a good receiving core? That is where I could see Indiana winning this game again, just not quite as good defensive line from the get-go, and that exposes the back seven. It's just that I think the Iowa defensive line is going to be fine. In fact, I think it'll be just fine. I do think the secondary and linebackers is that is that good. So I have got 27 to 23 as well, an under or an over as well, but I've got the Iowa Hawkeyes winning 27 to 23. Interesting. Interesting. We have the exact that, same score. That is. All right. Moving into the evening, 6 o'clock p.m., the Oregon State Beavers coming in to play the Purdue Boilermakers. This is on FS1 line. The Boilermakers by 7. The over-under is 65, so Vegas is saying a 35-28 to Purdue victory. 70% of the money is on Oregon State and the points. Another hot day, about 80 degrees and cloudy. Yeah, so we got Jonathan Jonathan Smith, the off the head coach of Oregon State. I kind of like this guy. Yep, he's been doing a good job. I know the record hasn't been great, but it's Oregon State, and they were so freaking low. I thought he's done some pretty good things in three years, and they have a high amount of returning production here. Now their defense has been pretty bad, but it is improving. They are traveling pretty far, but it's a night game, so it's a four p.m. game for them, right? Right. Big freaking deal. I don't think that makes a huge deal in this game. Yeah, um, and then speaking of, it looks like Tristan Jebbia, Jebbia. Kobe, could be the starting quarterback. Could they be? had like a trio of so. quarterbacks yeah. that they were looking at, so I can't say. Um, they were not bad on offense last year. They yep. definitely had some consistency. Defense, not so great. They had some pretty bad defensive stats, yeah. but and, and it depends on how deep you want to get into it. But the coaching staff felt like they were starting to get the pieces figured out a little bit on defense last year. So I do think their defense is going to be a little bit better. But this sure seems like it's going to be a team a game versus two better than the, that. The offenses are better than what the defenses are going to be. Sure. Um, so that gets you to the sixty-five point over under. Um, Oregon State was 110th against the rush last year. Okay, that it's it's tough to get worse than 110th. We we've heard about how it's weakness versus weakness, it right? There, really man. is. I mean, this you know, not to be you know too much of a jerk here, but this could be the best example of weakness versus weakness that we've got on the sheet th- right here. I think that's probably or, true. Uh, Oregon Oregon State's rush defense versus Purdue's rushing offense. So then you sit there and you think, okay. If Purdue runs the ball really, really well, okay, is there anything to take away from that? Or do you take away like, well, they ran the ball very well, but it was against Oregon State. I guess it depends how well. Okay. If they run for 300 yards, I'll be like, fair enough. Now, with that being said, if Purdue can't run the ball versus Oregon State, we've, we've got a gigantic red flag that's already come out, right? Absolutely. I would say this maybe is 
a little bit more of an interesting game than what it's getting credit for. I mean, I oh, certainly, absolutely. I, I think this is a really fun game to finish your Saturday night on. If you're getting kind of, kind of tired and getting a little bit of a headache, I, I'm, I'm going to be excited to watch this game. So Jack Plummer was named the starting quarterback this week for the Boilermakers. Really curious. Can the offensive line give him time? We talked about the run game, but the, can, are, are they competent in the pass right. game too? And one thing I'm curious about is they get Samson James coming over, but it's, it's only been a few weeks, right? How many carries is that guy actually going to get? Got King Daru, you got Xander Horvath. So you already got two serviceable guys. I'm just curious how much they're going to lean on that guy. But I'm going to, so I picked an upset last time. Okay. Kind of an upset. Like, yeah. It's not, not a, Big upset. Right. Hawks were favored by three. I'm going two in a row here, baby. Wow. I'm saying Oregon State comes to West Lafayette, pulls out the win, barely 31 to 30. So obviously the cover, and that's an under by four points. Well, we're pretty close, but I've got Purdue 34. The Beavers, 30. So I've got the Beavers covering. I like the seven points that they're that they're getting there at a 64-point total. That is just under the 65-point total. I, at my first glance with that was, oh, man, I'm going to go under with this. I, I'm expecting Purdue's defense to be a little bit better than last year, but... Not a, I'm not as confident with that staying under as as I once was, but if you if you if you push me on it, that's what I would go. All right, our last evening game, the UTSA Roadrunners coming into Illinois to take on the Fighting Illini. This is at 6:30 p.m. on Big Ten Network. Line Illini by six and a half over under 49. So Vegas is saying something like a 28 to 21 Illinois victory. This is a rare one. Money split right down the middle. No kidding. Right down the middle. Uh, and then it's looking to be a 80 degree and sunny, partly cloudy day in, in Champagne. You know who's puckering right now? I'm puckering right now. Are you? Yeah, a little yeah. bit. I mean, this is a good and improving UTS program. <laughs> Head coach Jeff Trailer in his second year here did great things last year. They return almost their entire like, lineup. Like I, literally, again, second time in the podcast where you can say, you could say 22 returning starters. And definitely 20 or 21. Running back Sincere McCormick sincerely scares me. <laughs> that he's, he's an NFL guy. And so here's what I'm just curious about. You know, obviously this could be a letdown game, right? After yes. a big victory that that Illinois had in Champaign. Or is it like, you know what? Everyone, no one gave us any credit. And we went out and won the first game of the Bielema era. We're a pretty damn good team. Yeah. That's what I want to see. That's yeah. the first thing I'm going to be looking for from Illinois in this game. Um, yeah. Uh, UTSA out of out of CUSA, mostly picked right around second in their division. Something like an eight and four record that yeah. people see them. Um, blanking on the name. Meant to write it down. Who's your linebacker that had the... Calvin uh, Hart. Is is he playing this week? We don't know. Okay. Um, in fact, the test hadn't even come out the last time we heard from from yeah. Brett. Now, uh, Brandon Peters probably still out, although that's not a serious injury. He will be back this year. We have no idea about Calvin Hart. I will say this. Bielma did say Chase Brown is 100% gone Really? Okay. So he should be. I I would assume he would get the lion's share of the carries. Or maybe they'll still be a little careful and kind of split him between Epstein and him. Okay. But he says he's ready to go. Okay. Um, I mean, I think it's good that we've got our definite number one running back and a solid now. I mean, not that Mike Epstein wasn't solid before, but... He's even. He seems to be even more ready to roll than I've seen him in the last couple of years. Um, 
knock on wood with that guy. So we've got a good one-two punch at running back for Illinois. I felt like we had wide receivers that got their feet underneath them last week with Juice Point O. A couple other guys looking pretty good. Hopefully Donnie, uh, Danny Navarro kind of pops back a little bit. And even though we might we might have lost heart on the uh, for the linebackers, I you're th- also very confident yeah. with the backups. So at one point that was going to play into me because I just feel like though. He's their big play guy. I on, mean, he certainly defense. was. At least he was uh, uh, last week. But you know what? So. Tariq Barnes. Remember that game he had against Wisconsin last year? He was he was the only Illinois player playing well against Wisconsin last year, and he he got some time this last game. He looked good. Kalen Tolson. I'm confident in him. I think they'll be fine. I do too. And at one point, th- this game does make me nervous. It makes me nervous for yeah. for if I'm gambling on it. It makes me nervous for my podcast partner. So how about this, right? Illinois 28, UTSA 27, an absolute butt clencher at a 55-point total. That is over the 49s and with a UTSA kind of somewhat easy cover. Okay, so I a couple other things about Illinois. They have one-game experience. UTSA does not. I'm curious to look <laughs> how they come out with that defensive front. Is it going to be an even front, odd front? <laughs> There's been a lot of talk about that this week. Um, but I... They have more talent, and I'm confident in Bielema after what I saw on Saturday. This can be a dogfight, no doubt about it. It's going to come down to it. In fact, I think UTSA will have the ball with a chance to win, and I think Illinois stops them. Illinois wins the game 31-27, to so that's a UTSA cover and an over. So I had 28-27. Yep. You had 31-27. Yeah, um, I got faith in Bielema. He's been in this situation before when a team, you know, had a big week and has to come back up. Yeah. This is where you have an experienced coach come in. Yeah. And it and it plays into stuff like this. And it's it's an inexperienced coach on the other side. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. That makes a difference too. And, you know, first time they, they've got the one game advantage. They gotta yes, travel right. up to yeah. I feel like there's at least a decent amount of that stuff that's on Illinois side too. All right, that brings us to the big ten game of the week. The number 19 Penn State Nittany Lions coming into Wisconsin to take on the number 12 Wisconsin Badgers. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on Fox. This is Fox kind of premier game, but yet at 11 o'clock, some people found that interesting. Lion Badgers by four and a half over under a nice even 50. 70% of the money is on the Badgers to cover the four and a half. So Vegas is saying Mm. something like a 28 to 24 Wisconsin win, possibly rainy in the morning in Wisconsin as well. We'll see how that uh, forecast goes. Um, so first thing I want to put out is some kind of interesting stats here, okay? Yeah. Both Penn State and Wisconsin come into this game 46-16 and 16 since 2015. No kidding. Exact That's pretty same, cool. Exact same record since 2015. Now you got to give Penn State the edge uh, because they've had the Big Ten Championship in there, but the total record sure. is the exact same. How about, uh, how about this stat right here? Penn State with this road game. Yeah. They have started a their Big Ten opener on the road eleven of the last twelve years. Did and Perk did Perk get to you with that he, one? Too? He did. And the next three, <laughs> the next three, isn't that but, crazy, dude? That's so ridiculous. fourteen in a row. How does that happen? Or to be fourteen out of fifteen? Oh, is right? it fourteen out of fifteen? Yeah, that's what it'll wind. Oh, up did I in. miss one? There was one. Home. No, it's eleven of twelve right now. Okay. three more years. So they're going to start on the road fourteen out of fifteen years. Okay. I tell you what, that that's a little ridiculous right there. Who did they piss off? I don't. I do not know. Iowa had 
a run like that for a while. And I'm almost positive the coaching staff complained. So then they just gave, they kept him on the road, but just gave him easier road games. That, that was pretty much how, and then it kind of flipped at that point. So yeah, wow. pretty interesting. Um, first thing I want to say is I feel like it's bizarro Penn State and Wisconsin because I'm sort of concerned about Wisconsin's rushing attack. Yeah. And I'm sort of concerned about Penn State's D-line. You never see those two units yeah. ever. And, and I'm not saying. Yeah, okay. I'm not saying. That's fair. I'm not saying Wisconsin's going to be like struggle rushing the ball this year or Penn State's going to struggle on the D line. It just doesn't seem to be as robust and amazing as it has been the past five, six, 10 years. Yeah, and then a little more about the Wisconsin offense. You get Kendrick Pryor back, Danny Davis back. Both, you know, had issues last year after getting concussed, badly concussed. Seems like both of them did. That's not good. Then you got Graham Mertz, who really has a lot to prove. Che Louis has a lot to prove. The running backs in general have th- things to prove from Wisconsin. I'm not. I'm just not too high on their offense. On Wisconsin's gen- offense. Wisconsin's offense yeah. in general. I'm much higher on Penn State's offense with their playmakers. If they can just keep Sean Clifford playing within the system, not trying to do too much, then yeah. I, I. So I feel like Penn State is going to have the better offense. Wisconsin probably the better defense, but. I, I still trust Penn State's defense. Yeah. So I feel like if you look at the two units from each team across the board, I think slight edge to Penn State. Interesting. Okay. Did did I just hear that right? You think Wisconsin or Penn State's defense is better than Wisconsin's? No. Okay. You're saying Penn State's defense compared to Wisconsin's offense. So I think Wisconsin's D has the edge over okay. Penn State's right. D. Okay. I think Penn State's offense has the edge over Wisconsin. But I think if you put it all together, I like Penn State overall. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, so it, you know, somewhat big news, but yet in typical Wisconsin fans' uh, reactions, you didn't see much of it, but Chelui is the starter. I mean, I'm just surprised there hasn't been more hooting and hollering about that. <laughs> and, I mean, if that was the case in a lot of different areas, that would be big news. It and just by the was, way, for those that don't know, it's Ches Malusi is, yeah. is the name of the guy, but he's just going to be Chelui for me. Um, but with that being said, Jalen Berger is not 100% Yeah, so that's healthy. what I'm wondering. Is, yeah. Okay, he's the starter, big deal. Doesn't mean that he beat out Berger necessarily. Right, and then after that, it's Guantanamo Bay that's going to be the third running back. And I mean, we saw that last year. It wasn't something that... I don't think Wisconsin fans want to dip back into. I mean, they want these two guys. Uh, A thought that I had with Che Louis is if they, if this guy winds up being an absolute game breaker in the style, not the same, but in the style of Jonathan Taylor and some of the other explosive guys, as an Iowa fan, I'm going to be very frustrated that they wound up getting him in the transfer portal when that guy could have transferred to anywhere. Because the thing is, you look at it right now. If the Frenchman, J. Louis, if he was not there, this would look like an extremely questionable running back room right now. Absolutely. And and we and, don't and short on and and especially short on explosiveness. Yeah, and so that I feel like that's kind of one of those transfer portal things that we're gonna come to really hate. You know, looking at some of the other teams when when oh, you know, they haven't been recruiting well at this position or that position. And then they just go out and just grab somebody for, yeah. for the one year. Yep. And they, you know, bring in a freshman who steps right in. So I hear a lot of what you're saying as far as the Wisconsin offense matching up versus the Penn State defense. But one thing that I, I have, 
I have confidence in Wisconsin's offensive line. It, it shouldn't be sure. a monumental statement to say that. I know they struggled last year, but I expect them to be a lot better this year. Um, tons of of starting experience on that offensive line. I mean, I would love to know what their total starts are that they have available. So I actually have a little bit more confidence, especially against a still trying to figure out their role type of deal on the Penn State front seven. I think that's closer to like a stalemate thing type of thing to me. Uh, where I really kind of wonder is where Wisconsin is going to get their big plays from, okay? Because they're good wide receivers. The wide receivers and pass catchers are going to look better than they were last year. But as far as big plays against that talented Penn State secondary, I don't see that. Um, Then on the other side, real quick, yeah, dude, I have got a ton of faith in Mike Yursich as offensive coordinator. Like... I am really starting to feel in the last week or here so or here that there is just a there's some confidence coming out of, out out of Penn State. Oh yeah, I, that I, that's wrapped around their offensive coordinator and because of that, I think Sean Clifford is going to look a lot better than what people are think. It's just so interesting that I feel that but what defense do they go against the first week of the year? I know. What could probably wind up being the best defense in the Big 10? You'd, you'd have to pick them. It's insane. Right now, I know. But I, t- I th- I'm kind of drinking the Penn State Kool Aid a little okay. bit. I've been hearing a lot of the chatter, so to speak, and so the, I'm going Penn State to win the game, 24 to 21. That's Penn State covering. That's an under. All right, um, we're not too far off. Um, I, I what I'm going to be interested to see is not only obviously how Sean Cl- Clifford plays, but when I have seen the the creases, the issues with Wisconsin's defense, it's been athletic receivers getting over top of them on the defensive backs. Penn state has that with Parker yes, Washington and, and Jahan Dotson. Dotson yeah. So like I sit there and I, and I almost get myself talked into it, but then I just think of that defense of how good that Wisconsin defense yeah. is playing at home. So really close one here. I've got Wisconsin 24 Penn state 23. So that's a 47 point, uh, total, so that's under the 50, but that's a Penn State cover because they're getting four and a half. It's going to be a beauty, man. Dude, we have got some good games here. Absolutely. Opening week. Cheers to the Big Ten. Didn't say this last week. Cheers to the Big Ten for Illinois and uh, Nebraska. That was going to be a week zero game overseas. They were smart enough to keep that as a week zero game. That was smart for the Big Ten. I feel like all eyes are on the Big Ten this weekend because of there's good matchups here. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, the one we just went through, Iowa, Indiana, a couple other ones that are on the board. I think the Big Ten has done a good job of loading up some interesting conference games here, and I think we're going to have a lot of eyeballs on the set. Yeah, and even like Friday night. I know it's not a huge game nationally with Michigan State and Northwestern. I think a lot of eyeballs on the Big Ten that night. Because there's going to be a lot of people's back pockets on that game they're they're gonna tune into that game because they're they're gonna make themselves want to watch it (laughs) right so anyways hope you guys enjoy the weekend as much as i think we will i'll have a trip down to iowa city and i'll be fractured coming back but it's gonna be fun i am jeffrey the greek i'm big this has been the eyes on big podcast we'll talk to you soon